One of the great things about writing episodes of Southern Songs and Stories is making connections between artists, culture, and history that otherwise would have remained unknown. Discovering larger contexts of life stories, careers, and the impact of events in history, as well as curious things like the birth story of the Dobro, is half of the fun of doing this. And so many times, discovery that leads to connecting the dots comes from something that seems pretty innocuous. For example, take this comment from our guest today, Kentucky singer-songwriter Jeremy Pennell. I need something to do. Like I need, I need a challenge, uh, whether it be uh, whatever it is, health, uh, family, whatever it is, you know. Jeremy is talking about taking up mixed martial arts during the lost year of 2020. And while many people at first might focus on the Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu part of that statement, there was something even more revealing about him saying that he needed a challenge. And after taking in the whole of our conversation, listening to his new album, Goodbye LA, and other interviews he has given, I started digging and found some striking similarities between Jeremy's personality and characters like Sherlock Holmes, The Mandalorian, and real life figures like George Mallory, who gave us the famous quote, because it's there. Welcome to Southern Songs and Stories. I'm your host, Joe Kendrick, and this is our episode on Jeremy Pennell. Southern Songs and Stories is part of the podcast lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and Osiris Media. Osiris creates music podcasts and events to help music fans deepen their connection to the music they love with all of their shows at OsirisPod.com. Osiris works in partnership with Jam Bass, which connects music fans to the music they love and empowers them to go see live music. Capsule versions of Southern Songs and Stories are produced for broadcast on WNCW by me, Corey Askew. More information about this and other podcasts from Grassroots Radio, WNCW at WNCW.org. New to Osiris Media is their series Breaking Waves Seattle, which covers the history of grunge and is well worth a listen. And WNCW has plenty of podcasts, which you can find on WNCW.org, like Down the Road on the Blue Ridge Music Trails, covering bluegrass and old-time music artists and mountain traditions in western North Carolina. 
Like Corey Askew just said, it really does help when you follow and depending on what platform you're using, like and leave a positive review about these podcasts. It is one of the quickest and easiest ways to help endeavors like Southern Songs and Stories reach more listeners like you and help the artists we profile get more fans as well. Thank you for listening and for considering doing just that one extra step. Now, on to the podcast. Goodbye LA is Jeremy Pennell's third album, following 2017's Ties of Blood and Affection and his 2015 debut, Ohio, Kentucky, when he was not in his teens, not in his 20s, but in his 30s. A big reason why he was later to this game than most music artists was because of run-ins with the law. As you will hear in our conversation, Jeremy's music is more deserving of the moniker Outlaw Country than a whole lot of artists who are tagged with it because of his time behind bars. But that is not who he is today. And while his music reflects some of those outlaw themes, they are more a reference to what is in the rearview mirror of his life now. And that is certainly not the only thing you need to know about Jeremy Pennell. He is an artist that acknowledges his past and has reconciled that part of his life, who has embraced family life and balanced that with a challenge even tougher than mixed martial arts, making it as a professional musician in America. I spoke with Jeremy by phone as he took a break from work on a late summer Friday afternoon in Erlanger, Kentucky, about 10 miles from where he lives in Southgate, and started by asking about the meaning of the title track and why he named his album Goodbye L.A. Uh, yeah, so Goodbye L.A. was, um, it was kind of like, uh, the reason I picked that song is because, uh, it was, I felt like it was a a song where I kind of made it like a little breakthrough, like personally in songwriting, you know, it kind of like opened the door to me, like, just, I feel like, uh, as a newer songwriter, you kind of like feel like some restrictions to what you do, maybe maybe any kind of art, I don't know, but I felt like that song kind of like broke that, that, um, that thing for me. And and it kind of made me think outside the box a little bit. Is that? Yeah, that's good. And so you came to putting albums out in your thirties. You were a bit of a late bloomer in that respect. Can you tell me about what led up to putting out your first album after those years? Because you've been playing music and singing all your life. Is that right? Yeah, um, I don't know what happened. I had a buddy call me, and, and um, I think it was around 2010, 2011, and said I should start playing country music because I've always wanted to. I've always, like, um, it was either just folk music or some kind of uh, alternative kind of country kind of thing. I was always playing. And he said, well, why don't you just try country music? Because that's where you kind of always wanted to go. And 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 so I took his advice. And um, and then, you know, we played uh, bars for two or three years where you just, like, play those three or four-hour sets where you're just banging out, like, old classic country hits. And you're really just kind of learning the ropes of country music and how to play and, and perform. It's taken some time, and then in 2014, we met with a guy that owned a local record label, uh, Chris Moeller, in um, in Fort Mitchell, Kentucky, at a coffee shop, and, and asked him if he would help us put out the Ohio, Kentucky, and, and he agreed to that. 
and that's kind of like how it started, you know. Um, is that a long answer? No, that's great. <laughs> right. Speaking about covers, you covered Concrete Blonde's Joey and released that as a single this year. Can you tell us about what attracted you to that song? Uh, that was always a song I would play when I'd go to the bar. I would play, I would, you know, order a drink, and then I would always play that on the jukebox or play American Girl by Tom Petty or, you know, maybe ACDC Shoot the Thrill or something, you know, just to get the night going, you know. But uh, I, I always connected with that song, and uh, I don't know. It just always, it always struck me as honest, and I like that, you know. And that, that attracted me to it. Joey, baby, don't get crazy. Detours, fences, I. say that Jeremy Pennell writes songs in a roundabout way. Not to say that he lacks focus or discipline. It is just that he finds his muse a lot of times by doing something other than sitting down to write a song. The past year and a half, I've done a lot of things. I mean, when when Goodbye LA was written and recorded, we were like 130-something days on the road in 2019. And so those are mostly just songs about how to like deal with relationships at home and being and traveling and just kind of like the overall climate of that year of 2019 headed into 2020. And so that was like kind of everything up to that. Now this past year and a half, I've had to like, we've all had to like uh, figure out outlets, different outlets besides what we're uh, used to. And uh, I started to, uh, uh, I joined a, a local gym last year when they shut everything down. I was like, I got to do something. So I, I was like, I always wanted to learn how to fight. So I, I, I went to a gym and, and uh, started taking jujitsu and Muay Thai and, uh, and really just kind of studying that. And, you know, and then I have the time with my son. He's six, almost seven. He'll be seven next month. And so the, there was a lot of growth between me and him and he's getting older and he's getting so much more fun, you know, because he's, you know, threatening to choke me out. And, you know, it's just like, uh, so like, that's my inspiration, right? Just living life and, um, always, always trying to challenge yourself as far as whatever it is, you know, like I got, I, I need something to do. Like I need, 
I need a challenge, uh, whether it be uh, whatever it is, health, uh, family, whatever it is, you know. Well, that goes right into the song, Want to Do Something, because it seems that that song might be a parallel to your songwriting process itself. Like in the video, it, it seems to be so open-ended. It's it's almost like a canvas that the viewer can paint their own conclusions on it. So I wonder if you think that the song itself is almost a mirror of your songwriting process. Have you thought about it that way at all? I haven't, but I'm glad you picked that up from the video because like, um, I felt like that for that video, I wanted... I wanted it to just be wide open. I didn't want, I wanted it to be real, like, like a flat line, you know, just so you could kind of just know, like, the, the guys that are in the video is, is our, my guitar player, Junior Tutwiler, and my, the drummer, uh, Charles Alley. And, and those guys, I mean, we just get in the van and we go work, you know, like, and that's what it is. It's leaving our homes. It's leaving our family for minimal money. It's being on the road and not much is happening. Maybe on the internet, it looks like it's happening, but like, you know, we're going to bed early. We're waking up early, you know, like late nights, early mornings, low pay away from your family. And that's kind of what I wanted that video to do. And and as far as that song, I mean, that kind of fits that description of that song. You know, we just I always try to do something other than music and I keep circling back around to it. And as much as I want to get away from it, because it's not it's not a, an ideal thing. Um, and so that, I'm, I'm glad you picked up on that. You have a line in want to do something about learning about life from a Jones song. So. Do you have any George Jones stories or observations? Uh, I just really know, like, uh, if you listen to, like, the Grand Tour or something, like, at the end when it says, uh, she took my baby and my heart, like, you, like, he put that idea across so well through his, through his singing that, like, it takes you there. Like, it like removes you from your body and puts you in a house, an empty house, you know? And, uh, and that's what I kind of like meant. And he does that through, you know, like, uh, uh, the song, is it called the door, the closing of the door, you know? And, uh, I mean, he just does it. Uh, when he sings, he takes you there. And that's kind of like what I meant by that, you know?
Late nights, early mornings, low pay. Still, coming back to doing it time and time again. I never saw that come up as a challenge for Sherlock Holmes or The Mandalorian. It takes a combination of skill, determination, and endurance to meet the challenge of being an artist today. Name any music artist, and I would bet you money that they have thought about hanging it up and just doing something else full-time at some point. Whether they are full-time musicians, or they are weekend and vacation-time warriors, almost every one of them has had or continues to have their moments of doubt. And Jeremy Pennell is no exception. Yeah, like, um, it makes me think of the song uh, Ramblin' Fever, that Merle Haggard song. And, and a lot of people think of it like a kind of a neat kind of song or whatever, but they didn't understand that he was, like, telling the truth. He didn't, They people don't understand that he was, like, if, if I were writing the song, that would be a song that, like, yeah, I don't know why I need to go. You know, it's just, it's just the way it is, you know, and, uh, I, yeah. And you're writing your own truths in your songs. These are not necessarily character studies. These are, these are often a lot of autobiography. Uh, yeah, yeah, mostly. Uh, there was a few songs on Goodbye LA. I kind of like had to put myself in a different headspace because I wanted to like get a, an idea of, of, uh, I had to reach an idea, so I had to put myself in another headspace, you know, and uh, and maybe view it as somebody else. But most of my stuff is uh, is yeah about some something stupid I've done, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I did some hard living most of my life. Can you tell us about growing up in the church and those first experiences you had when you were singing in front of an audience? Yeah, like uh, my dad was a singer and he grew up in, and we grew up with him in church. And so I got to see him perform every Sunday, you know, with the church band and then kind of like wanting to mimic that. And, uh, and, and yeah, I remember being a young kid and people telling me I could sing and all that stuff and all that stuff feels good. And then, uh, yeah, and that was kind of my experience with that. Uh, my Sunday school teacher told me I'd be in jail before I was 18, and he was right about that. And uh, so, I mean, you know, those, those were kind of like uh, my, uh, my struggle with the church and a part of growing up in that atmosphere where there were, music was such a big thing, you know. Um, there's like good and bad, 
Yeah, to me, it seems like it would be a great experience for any performer to understand the power of a communal experience uh, of people doing that one thing together and and having that sort of transcendent atmosphere that you could pull from later on. Yeah, there's a lot of emotion and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of good that can go on. And there's also a lot of bad that can go on. And that just makes you it just brings you back to the idea that we're all just human. So I think growing up in that, seeing people be open about their emotions or the way they felt or, or some kind of spiritual thing beyond, you know, beyond what, what we are here. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot that can be, that be, can be found in, in that, you know. Could you describe your audience? Is there any typical kind of person that shows up to see you play? Uh, no, I mean, there's not. Uh, there's such a wide range of people. It's, it's really, it's really kind of neat. Um, you know, a lot of people, uh, uh, yeah, just, a, you know, there's maybe once in a while, there's a couple drunk guys yelling that want to get rowdy. There's, uh, there's usually a, some couples dancing, which is always nice. Um, there's just a, a wide range of people, you know, it's never like, it's funny on Spotify, you can look at an artist app and it shows you like the percentages of like different people that listen to your music, whether it be female, male, you know what I'm saying? It's a little disheartening, but <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know. I try not to pay too much attention. It. The thing I noticed is that there's more people coming out. So that's one thing I've noticed. So not necessarily the type of person, but the, the, more people, you know. I, I imagine that in your audience there could be a dividing line between people that are attracted to the idea of, of, for lack of a better term, let's call it outlaw country, you know, the look of it. And then there are people that, that your songs resonate with them deeply because they've had those kind of hardships. Yeah, um, it is kind of tough. I mean, everybody loves the outlaw. Everybody, from my time era, right? I don't know where I picked it up from, but I always respected the guys in my neighborhood that had done some time or, and that was never anything. My parents were like, Hey, you know, going to prison's like, cool. But that's like, for some reason that was just naturally in me. And, and as far as the music, I, in 2014, I, I started recording stuff from the, the 10 to 15 years prior to that. And in that, that 10 to 15 years was a lot of in and out of Kenton County, in and out of Boone County, uh, you know, getting caught with uh, nar like drugs, narcotics, uh, you know, just just uh, it was constant. And that was a big thing in my life. So in 2014, that's what I knew about. And so that's what I wrote about. And people picked that up and maybe uh put the name outlaw country on it because maybe there was booze mentioned or drugs mentioned, but that was really just a limited idea of what I knew at the time. Um, and then, uh, you know, I've kind of touched back on a few of those subjects in like ties of blood and affection and not so much in goodbye LA because uh, by the time this record's written, I, my life's just changed, you know, 110%, you know, I'm like totally different than where I was 10 years ago, you know, 
I think people connect with the idea of, of, of getting taken to jail and knowing the feeling when no one will call, like you'll call and no one will bail you out. No one will even sign their name to bail you out. You know, I think people can resonate with that because it's a real thing and it happens to a lot of us. You know, we reach those points in our lives where, uh, there's nothing or nobody left. And, uh, I think people, people can identify with that. Are the audiences different overseas? Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's great, man. Like, uh, most of the places I've been have been really respectful of art and music and everyone is super kind and, and wants to listen. Uh, Germany was kind of freaked me out at first cause I didn't understand it where you would play a song and everybody was so respectful and so quiet. And then you would almost had to say thank you. And then everybody would clap, you know, but everyone was just super attentive. And it's not like back here in the States where you're basically in a bullfighting ring the whole time, you know? I mean, anything could happen here. It's like the wild west, you know, which is exciting. And, but it's nice to get a break from that and go somewhere quiet where you can perform and people enjoy your art. You know, we just enjoy art a different way over here, I guess. Right. Yeah. So do you have any go-to strategies of making an audience shut up and stop talking to each other during your set? No, I, I see. I've, I figured something out a long time ago, like early. Cause I was playing folk music and acoustic guitar when I was 18, 19. So that's 25 plus years ago, you know? And so I figured something out at a very early age that you can't make people listen to you. They have to want to listen to you. So if you get up there with your guitar and you're good and you just sit there and be honest and, and perform the way you want to, people will listen. And if they don't, then that's just the way it is. But most of the time when I've taken that approach, I've usually won the audience over just by being myself and just by doing, you know, doing what I do, you know, and not really, that's not a concern. You know, you, that, that just, what I'm doing and what the crowd's doing are two different things, you know. That's Goodbye L.A. from Jeremy Pennell, the title track to his new album, wrapping up our episode. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed our time together. I also hope you might tell someone about Southern songs and stories directly or on social media. You can follow the series on podcast platforms everywhere, where it helps more than you may realize when you give us a top rating, and even more so with a good review. Because this show's visibility to everyone using those platforms depends largely on followers, ratings, and reviews. 
Southern Songs and Stories is a part of the podcast lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and Osiris Media, with all of the Osiris shows available at osirispod.com. You can also hear new episodes of this podcast on Bluegrass Planet Radio at bluegrassplanetradio.com. Thanks to Corey Askew for producing the radio adaptations of this series on WNCW, where we worked with Joshua Ming, who wrote and performed our theme songs. I'm your host and producer, Joe Kendrick, and this is Southern Songs and Stories, the music of the South and the artists who make it. I belong.